0: was uh, and just, just getting together. Oh, what a what a blessing that we so often overlook is coming together and worshiping. Um, we are in a season of transition from Thanksgiving to, to Christmas. I kind of transitioned a couple weeks ago. I know some people probably transitioned maybe a couple months ago and started listening to Christmas music, but My family has not been wanting to be around me because I've been playing that constantly. You just got to get in the spirit. Um, So today as we kind of shift uh, between the seasons, I want to talk about priorities because so often in Thanksgiving and in Christmas, our priorities can kind of shift to the wrong things, I feel like. Um, I have a great privilege of being in schools. That's one of my favorite things. I love being around students and telling them about Jesus and... One of the things that I found myself asking them in the last couple of weeks is, "What what are you thankful for?" And I think when we ask these questions, we kind of see where these students' priorities lie. Um, and they were kind of funny. They were thankful for uh, the cars and stuff like that. Some were material. Some were the family and God. But you got to really see where their priorities are. And um, today. When we talk about this, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite parables to talk about the priority of, of God, His priorities, and also where our priorities should lie as well. So this is one of my favorite parables that reveals the priority of our Father and therefore where our priorities should be. So this is Matthew 16:1 through 20. Um, i give you a second to get there. Um, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one Daenerys, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. So this landowner would have gone into the marketplace early, probably about dawn, the workday. In these times, is usually from sunup to sundown. So he probably went sunup and would have seeked out capable workers. Okay? Um, I picture these workers as being like the best of the best, right? Uh, the workers that kind of look like Sylvester Stallone or Channing Tatum, right? The, the big, the strong workers. Might would even throw myself in there, just kidding. You'll see where I come up in a minute. Um, the strong, capable workers, right? These workers agreed to work for Daenerys as well. So I actually have one of these in my pocket because I'm a little bit of a coin nerd. Uh, this is a Daenerys, uh, tiny. I think one of our youths said it looked like a moldy coin or moldy penny, which is funny. But it's not much. It's just a single sheet of silver, like punch, right? I know if you gave some of these to our youth and said, I'm going to pay you this for nine hours of work, they would just walk away and laugh, right? That's not very much. But this was a single-day pay for a Roman soldier, so it was a good pay. A Daenerys, this little coin, is a really good pay for a soldier. It is fair, uh, so it was a good pay for a soldier, so it would have been a really good paycheck for the workers in the field as well. Um, So, very fair pay. Verse 3, when he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard, and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. These were probably workers that, you know, may may roll out of bed a little later, right? So, at nine, and then... um, He also went off about noon and about three. He went out again, and he did the same thing. The landowner went out again, right, at noon, and um, at nine, noon, and three, and found people in the market and said, I'll pay you whatever is right. As you can imagine, as the time went on during the day, probably the quality of the worker went down a little bit, right? Because the good ones were probably picked first, and then they kind of trickled down, right? Um, At nine, maybe there weren't, Out early or could be other things, but as we go to three, you can imagine the people out there wanting work and haven't found it yet were maybe some of the people that were struggling. Maybe they were homeless. Maybe they weren't capable of work. Something was going on that they haven't found work early, right? And they're in the market looking for work too, so there's another thing. Uh, Verse 6, Then about five he went and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here? All day. Verse 7. Because no one hired us, they said to him. So as you can imagine, what kind of how these people were. And then he told them, you also go into my vineyard, he told them. Uh, In this workday that only lasts until the sun is down, right? Um, Five is towards the end of the day. Probably six is when the workday ended. Uh, And the landowner went out again at five. And these people are people who don't find work, the people that can't work. The landowner invites them to the field to work as well. Verse 8, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his four men, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired, about five, came, they each received a denarius. Um, so when the first ones came, they assumed and the ones that came out first came out, they assumed they would get more, right? Because they worked longer. But they also received a Daenerys each. When they received it, they begin to complain to the landowner. Hey, I worked all day, and you gave me one Daenerys. And they worked for an hour, and you gave them one Daenerys, right? Um, and then the response to the landowner was, Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous Because I am generous. Um, We see no matter what time the workers started, they got what the first agreed to. They were upset even though they got what they were promised, which was still more than fair, mind you. Uh, The landowner was generous. And then we have verse 16. um, So the last will be first, and the first last. The parable This parable shows us the true heart of Christ, that no matter what we bring to the table, that he just wants us at the table. He wants a growing relationship. The world shows us different, though. What value did the 5 o'clock workers actually bring? If you're looking at this from a purely analytical business mindset, what what value did the 5 o'clock workers bring? Not much. They, They worked for an hour, and they probably weren't very capable workers because they were just standing around at the market all day and couldn't find a job. So they didn't bring a lot of value, especially versus the 6 a.m. Channing Tatum's who probably went out there and worked really hard all day. Um, To the world, the 6 a.m. workers offered a lot more. They were big, strong workers who worked hard all day. That's great, right? That's great that they could do that. But it's also great for us, especially because what matters to God is different than what matters to the world. What is a priority for God is different than what is a priority to the world. And I think we can be pretty excited about that. Um, God's interested in us because we are made in the image of him. And because he desires a relationship with us despite our flaws, despite us being like the last workers who could have rolled out of bed at 4 p.m. We have some youth like that, right? He is still generous with us despite our flaws. We are about to look at two very different interactions with Jesus that really reveals his priorities. The first um, interaction we're going to look at is actually from the story before this. Um, Jesus, you know, he told parables. This is a parable that Jesus told. He told parables to teach from a situation that was going on. So this is from a situation that was going on. This is in Matthew 19, 16 through 29. So just right before that, if you want to flip there with me. um, And this reveals priorities. So just then, this is verse 16, just then someone came up. And asked him, teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which one? The guy asked. Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus knew this man could not be perfect. He knew he probably didn't really keep all these. Um, But he was pointing instead to the need of something more, right? Because even if this man did keep all these, he did break some laws because we have a sin nature. So he needed something more. Verse 20, the man says, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Verse 21, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And look at this. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. One that always kind of gets me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So when we look at a majority of the interactions with Jesus, they end up pretty positive, right? People end up healed and saved. But look at this. He walked away sad. Um, he left Jesus sad. Um, he went away grieving. The rich young ruler more than likely had the head knowledge, right? He was he was in royalty, so they had education. Uh, he was probably he was Jewish, so he probably had a great background with that. Uh, he was more than likely a pretty good guy, right? He he was a pretty good guy. He kept most of the laws, probably. He probably did his best to keep these laws. He he more than not had good intentions and great knowledge. Was there his priorities was in the wrong place though? And because of that, he went away from Jesus' sad. Uh, this man, according to the world, had it all together. He was a ruler. He had money, power, knowledge, connections. He had everything you would want, right, to, 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 for someone that was going with you. Uh, he was like these early morning workers. Jesus didn't want money or powers or anything, though, right? Jesus didn't need this rich young ruler for what he had. He didn't need this rich young ruler for the worldly things. He didn't need his power, he didn't need his money. He didn't need his possessions. Jesus is omniscient. He just wanted the rich young ruler to truly follow him. The rich young ruler's priorities were wrong. The king of it all didn't need a ruler. The rich young ruler needed a king, but wasn't willing to give up anything to follow him. This person that could have offered so much was turned away because he wasn't willing to offer what Jesus wanted, which was him. Just him. Not the power, not the money, not the possessions. Jesus just wanted him. The rich, the young ruler left sad, and the disciples were like, man, this... Disciples were like, man, this guy has everything you want. Why would you turn him away, right? He's got money, power. He's got connections, right? We're living in a dangerous place, and he could probably save you, right? Those are connections. A, you know, if you're in a small town, if you, know the, if you know the mayor, you can probably get out food speeding tickets. If you knew the rich young ruler you could probably avoid some trouble, right? So let's continue, verse 23. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked, Then who can be saved, right? Look at this guy. Jesus looked at him and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Again, showing at Jesus' priorities, right? Then Peter responded to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me Will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse twenty nine. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And then he goes into the parable we just talked about. Look at Jesus' priorities. They're not. They don't lie with with money, power, fame, wealth, many of the things that our priorities lie with, they lie with Jesus wanting us and wanting a relationship with us. Jesus is setting up the parable that we just read. Even though the rich young ruler was considered valuable in the eyes of the world with his power, money, and influence, Jesus turned him away because he valued these things more than he valued Jesus. The disciples who were sinners, common people, and in some cases were just downright terrible and did some terrible things, right? Right? They gave up everything to follow Jesus. These disciples who were last in society were first to Jesus because they gave up everything to follow him. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now I want to jump ahead to another interaction with Jesus that ended in probably the opposite way. Uh, and this really, again, shows us what the priorities of Jesus are. Um, we're going to skip forward to Luke 23, 39 through 43. Uh, verse 39. Then one of the criminals hanging there, this is on Golgotha, on the, on the cross, as Jesus is laying there uh, being crucified. One of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Verse 40. But the other thief on the cross answered, rebuking him, Don't you ever fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we were, go- we were getting back what we deserved for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me as you come into your kingdom. Verse 43, And he said to him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Look at those two responses to these two men with Jesus. One went away grieving, and the other went away into the glory of heaven, right? The thief on the cross, unlike Jesus, deserved to be there. He committed heinous enough crimes to be crucified. The thief on the cross, unlike the rich young ruler, didn't have anything to offer, though, right? He was was at the lowest point. He had nothing to offer. Um, He was a criminal on the cross, In the last moments of his life, he was a five o'clock, if I've ever seen one, right? He had nothing to offer. The thief on the cross realized, though, that Christ the Messiah could save him, that the Messiah did nothing wrong, but yet he died for him. The thief believed that Jesus was a king with a real kingdom unlike the rich young ruler who just had an earthly kingdom. Normal kings don't die on crosses and certainly have no kingdom after death. So the thief believed that the king was more than an earthly king. He was a savior king, able to take him to his heavenly kingdom. Jesus answered the repentant thief with one of the most hopeful words possible. Just like the sad verses I just talked about, this is is the opposite. This is happy. Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. A thief who woke up in the morning on his way to hell, on his way to be crucified, had his eternal destiny changed with a simple plea to the Savior. Remember me. Take me. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Two interactions, two very different outcomes. One had the privileged life of a ruler who left Jesus sad, while the other lived a sinful life whose interaction ended with him in heaven, with his father, because he gave Jesus what he wants with this, which is us, which is a relationship with us. He admitted that he was a sinner, and he asked to have a relationship with Jesus, even in the last moments. Uh, The differences in these Two interactions were simple, yet meaningful. Who was willing to truly follow Jesus while our priorities bounced between work, money, and countless otherworldly things? Jesus' priority lies with us and having a relationship with us. His priority lies with us so much that he left the glory of heaven to live a sinless life on a sin-filled world, dying a death that we deserved and raising on the third day so that death didn't have to be our certainty, but so that we can have an everlasting life with him. That is Jesus' priority. Jesus' priority is us. Rather than, whether we are the prime workers at 9 a.m. or the ones rolling up at 5, a.m., 5 p.m., fully broken, which is probably a majority of us. We're pretty broken, right? Um, you may be a three, but you're probably a five, right? Jesus' priority is us. Are we making Jesus the priority in our life? Are we seeking him daily? Are we reading his word? Are we praying? Are we telling others about this eternal hope that we have in Jesus? Are we putting our priorities in work, money, stuff like that? Um, It seems we've been forced to think about what we're thankful for the last couple weeks. I don't know if you're one of these families, but... I tried it jokingly and my family. I was like, what are y'all thankful for? And then I kind of got laughed at. But we've kind of been forced to think about what we're thankful for these last couple of weeks, which is a good thing. And what we are thankful for kind of lies the litmus test uh, to what our priorities are. But also our actions do too, right? What we do, where we put our time, where we put our efforts, where we put our, our thoughts, right? Jesus made us a priority. Already making him a priority. In closing, before I hand it back to Pastor Trent, um, if you haven't made Jesus a priority in your life, if he's not a that priority in your life, don't let the patterns of your past dictate the patterns of today. Right? Just because you did it yesterday doesn't mean you can't do it today. Jesus, Jesus wants you. You're His priority, right? Um, Continually run to Him through His word, word, through prayer, and by telling others about Him. If you haven't made Him priority ever, do that today. We're coming into the Christmas season. There's going to be, of course, as we enter into Advent and in our Advent series, we're going to be looking at the coming of a coming King, uh, and that should be our priority lives. But there's a lot of other distractions as we enter the month of December, right? There's a lot of other things that are shifting to make our priority. Right after the day that we were thankful for, I mean Thursday, Friday was Black Friday. And so immediately you went from being thankful to, oh, I can get an 85-inch TV for $200, right? I want that. I need that. Let me go fight someone at Walmart for that. Um, So it's amazing how our priorities can shift that fast. But as we enter this Advent, as we enter this looking for, as we enter looking towards a coming king, Let's make him our priority. In the, in the world that's begging for our priorities to become, for the world to become our priority, we need to look to Christ to be our priority, even though there's everything else telling us, don't make that your priority, make the world a priority. Um, if Jesus had shifted priority in your life, if your priority in your life has shifted to money, work, or other relationships, it's time to make a shift back to Jesus we don't completely ignore all of these things, right? They can All are tools that can be used for the glory of God. But when we make Jesus a priority, a true priority in our lives. We make him number one. We see the money, work, and other relationships in our life make a shift. When we put it under the scope of God and living for God and making God our priority, we see things kind of work out, right? So an example of this, I know I said in closing, and I went on for like another five minutes, I'm sorry. Um... One of the things that I absolutely love to ask my students is, is, what's your purpose? And if you've ever talked to a high schooler or a middle schooler for five minutes, and you ask them serious questions, you can get uh, a lot of responses, right? So as you can imagine, when I said, what's your purpose, I've heard a ton of answers. One time, I, one that sticks out to me right now is I, said, I asked a student that was at my last church, I said, what's your purpose? And he said, well, my girlfriend. I was like, ah, I was like, I don't know that that should be your purpose, but if you make following God and having a relationship your purpose and make him a priority in your life, the other things are going to work out, right? Because everything is under him and under his priorities, right? Yeah. To follow up, that kid broke up with his girlfriend probably two days later. It was, it was bad, <laughs> and I had to deal with that. Um, But when we put, when we make Jesus the priority of our lives, the things that we usually make priority get better because we're doing it for the glory of him and everything is going according to his purpose. So if you haven't made Jesus a priority, make Jesus a priority again. If you've kind of shifted, that's okay. That happens. Shift and make Jesus a priority and watch how everything else changes. Watch how... The prayer time with Jesus changes everything. Watch, watch how the Bible reading and spending that time with Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Make him a priority.